Welcome everyone to our episode today of the Uncorked Corner podcast. We are very excited to be welcoming our friend Julia back from Witchcraft Cocktail. You may have remembered from our first time featuring Julia, we were featuring her very first book and now we are here for book number two and it is incredible and we can't wait to share it with you. But we'll have Julia do a little re-intro as to who you are, what you've been up to, and then give us a little scoop on what the book's all about. And Bianca, you forgot, this is her third appearance. She <laughs> that did, is she, true. This is her third. I think she might be our That's first right. guest with three appearances. Yes. <laughs> Two oh, that's awesome! And one cocktail segment. That's right. Yep. So, yeah, it's always a lot of fun. Really. It's a lot of fun talking <laughs> to you guys, and that um, Halloween one was a blast too. So, <laughs> a little cocktail and uh, candy pairings and all of that. But yeah, so for anyone who doesn't know, uh, my name is Julia Helena Haddis. I'm from Witchcraft Cocktails, which is the name of the first book, but also my blog where I regularly do recipes that mix up um, magic and mixology and folklore, taking my bartending experience, working at a distillery and mixing it with my witchcraft experience. So just a blend of, of different things to make delicious drinks. So to talk about the new book a bit before yes. we get into the drinks inside of it, what was the inspiration behind doing this book? Because uh, I don't know if you just mentioned it there, but Moon Magic Mixology is the new title. So it's yes. very centric around like the lunar calendar and all that, which I know nothing about. I haven't read the full book cover to cover this, but I'm sure I'll learn a lot. Um, a lot of astrology, just warning you. <laughs> yeah. But what, uh, what was the inspiration on doing the astrology book? Yeah. So, um, you know, obviously with witchcraft cocktails and a lot of witchcraft practices tend to incorporate the moon. And so after the first book was done, after all of that writing, because you've like two months to put all this stuff together. Um, and so, you know, you have to start like bumping things up a little bit to get a little bit of an audience. And so I started focusing on actually lunar drinks on my blog, like, oh, it's the Leo moon, you know, what kind of drinks can you do for that? And so after the first book came out, I started talking with my editor and we talked about turning that into its um, own book. And part of that has to do is like, you know, it's cool to get into the science of it, but like the moon beyond guiding witchcraft practices guides a lot of farming practices, which is you guys know is deeply related to um, the creation of alcohol um, but also you know the moon controls or has an influences on our tides and it's actually debatable that um, you know that the moon played a part in evolution because of the gravitational pool it allowed the, the oceans to interact with the land in a way that helped bring evolution about and whatnot um, and so you know whether or not it can have an effect on, on smaller bodies of water is still up for debate, but it's very sacred. And so the moon has a connection to water and liquid. And so it's kind of fun to mix the astrology of what the moon is associated with, what the signs are associated with and put them into a cocktail to kind of represent the power of the moon. And speaking of cocktails, so I can start drinking mine, let's talk about it. Uh, so I wanted to make one from the book. So I went through, I read through them all. And as I explained just before this, I went out on a wild goose chase to three different stores to find a couple of the ingredients that I wanted. And then I ended up going with one that I already had all the ingredients for at home. <laughs> uh, but I went with the Twins Creativity Potion. And I believe this one was in the, the fall cocktail section. Yep, fall lunar libation. So I'm a little out of season here, but it is delicious. And I'm glad I chose it. So this one here 
has six ounces of freshly brewed coffee, hazelnut liqueur, anise liqueur, Irish whiskey, almond milk, walnut bitters, and ground nutmeg. I pulled oh out God. all the stops. I did everything. I grounded <laughs> the nutmeg. I did it all. And it paid off. It's delicious. Honestly, like, cause it's been a while, you know, I've got like what 70 books in the first or 70 books. I wish <laughs> maybe one day, um, 70 cocktails in the first book and then this one, and then my blog. And so sometimes I get all of the drinks confused, but like looking at this again, that just sounds so fucking delicious. Like hazelnut liqueur is the fucking shit. I have an old fashioned. Is it okay to swear on here? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Podcast. it's been a while yeah um i have this um drink on my blog that i do with maple it's an old-fashioned basically but with walnut bitters hazelnut liqueur and maple instead of simple syrup and it is the fucking shit mm-hmm. so like coffee with those nutty flavors a little bit of anise or anise oh my god um, now i will say i've never been a fan of anise but i've started gravitating toward it more first time i had anything with it absinthe on the podcast we did with you i did the espresso martini with the absinthe rinse and that has that same flavor i'm i don't know is absinthe made made from anise it has some of those same flavor elements there's a lot of other things that yeah but i went with um sambuca on this one and i've never really been a huge fan of it but I tell you, with everything else mixed in with this, it adds a really good freshness kind of on the back of it that I really it's like. The, it's the right mix. And even before that, we have the pumpkin spice in our latte and not to be like a stereotypical white girl. But let me tell you guys, like if you're because I know you like coffee drinks and stuff. That one was the fucking shit, too. Like, I love I mean, I guess I get excited about drinks and alcohol. So and yes, Bianca, I did yeah. use my fancy new coffee maker to make this drink tonight. Oh, so. Bianca's been ragging on me. My whole family has because I bought this really expensive one of those automatic espresso machines, the super automatic Ooh. espresso machines, and it's been it's been really nice to have it. Just click but a couple buttons. I had an awesome like espresso <laughs> cup of coffee, six ounces straight into the cup, chilled. Oh, that's great. Else, and I had my cocktail. Awesome. I will say that. I love, and I, I love this with the first book too, is that you really do break it out seasonally. So for people who want to kind of pair their flavors based on the season, I think that's really fun. Not a lot of books do that. I think that's what makes it a little different. Um, but obviously your, your books are one of a kind anyway. So they're just so unique to other cocktail books that are on the market. And I think it's, it's just so much fun to be able to kind of familiarize yourself with new concepts but also to kind of learn as you're reading and as you're going through the cocktails and trying them what is seasonal for like right now and what you can make with those seasonal ingredients and a lot of time I don't think we think about that when we're thinking about cocktails so that's just one of my favorite yeah parts of it I'm not drinking a cocktail it's not lemonade, <laughs> unfortunately I can't have anything but um Nick's drinking for me so that's and yes. he really did go out on a hunt for <laughs> it's no joke he had me on the phone and he didn't use any of the ingredients so that's funny what (laughs) drink were you going to make that you got all those ingredients for all right so bianca and i had a little debate earlier today on whether or not bay leaves are a common thing to have laying around and i never cook with bay leaves i cook all the time but i've never had bay leaves in my house at all um but that was one of them because that was in quite a few and the other thing rose water is in quite a few cocktails in the book. Yeah. So I didn't really know what I wanted to make yet. So I was like, all right, well, these are in a lot of it and these are in a lot of it. So I'm going to have them. 
because I'm certainly going to be making more out of this as the time comes, especially now that I've been looking a little bit more and I see some of the variations in like the hurricanes and painkillers and stuff. Once we get to yeah. that, or the Bahama Mama was one of them. Once we get to that <laughs> summertime, springtime, it's going to be 60 here the next couple of days. So that it'll oh my feel pretty summery for me and I might have to make Oof. some of those. But anyway, I wanted to get some of those uh, other ingredients yeah rose water is an essential i suppose like every bar i've worked at but i work at craft cocktail bars has rose water so (laughs) i had never had that before either but the one that i went with that i found fee brothers the same company that makes uh, bitters and stuff that's yeah when they the black walnut bitters that's exactly what's so good right now yes (laughs) oh that's awesome i just say about the seasonal thing it's like what's kind of fun about this is so i think because I'm blending like different worlds of, of my passions together. I just have a lot of like a bunch of ADHD knowledge about shit. And so I put a bunch of astrological information here. And so the cool thing about the seasons is like, if it's a certain Zodiac, Zodiac, Zodiac season, I was going to say Zodiacal, but I'm not sure if that's a correct term to say. Um, but you know, for example, if it's Aries season, then, you know, the new moon is going to be in Aries and the full moon will, um, uh, be in Libra. So it's kind of got that fun, like whatever's op- opposite in it, you know, is going to be the full moon and whatever is the same season will be the new moon. And so that allowed me to kind of align the different moons seasonally, knowing that even if you're in the Southern hemisphere, it will be, you know, the same two moons. You'll still have the same pairing within a Zodiac season. I was pretty unfamiliar with astrology until more recently when my company, we have a couple of people who just are very you know you have like those yes spearheaded and they're so into it they're looking up everybody's moons everyone's signs they just love it so it's now all of it sounds so like normal to me because I hear it pretty much weekly um but it is like so interesting to learn about like the different moon phases and like how they affect us as individuals and I don't know how familiar Nick is but I feel like it's it's been trending that more people are really trying to like learn this and kind of understand themselves through astrology and like how it can impact them at any given time. So to it's, answer it's pretty your question, fun. I am not familiar at all. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a lot That's to learn. Fine. So my personal approach with like astrology is because there's like that shit they open up in magazines. It's kind of like bullshit, you know, but anyway, um, is like, you know, I also have a anthropology and so myths and symbolism and I also took like latin club I was a nerd in high school and took four years of latin club like translating latin text of course I forgot all of it because it's useless unless you're a doctor but anyway um you know so all of these like constellations and the planets and beyond the science of them they have myths and stories that you can find information that helps you resonate with certain ideas in your own life it's kind of just like archetypal you know like joseph campbell type stuff so Um, that's why I like working with astrology in that way of like beyond like, oh, the fortune telling type stuff that can be out there, just more so an opportunity for healing and reflection. Now, when it comes to the uh, cocktail of the night for you, I know you're not, you don't have one in front of you yet, but if you had to pick one, I know I can't ask you to pick your favorite because I know it's so, it depends on the mood you're in and what you'd want. Yeah. Uh, But if you had to pick one right now out of your new book or one that you really remember that's like, that's my favorite cocktail in this. Yeah. Movie. What is it? 
Well, so there's, there's a few. So what I would choose to drink right now, it's not, oh my God. Okay. So I got, if we're going to go over like, which ones you're going to have to try, you're going to have to try the moon mezcalita. If you guys like mezcal, it's the fucking shit. You got agave, lemon, fresh, um, melon in there. Um, nutmeg. I suggest adding a little bit of cayenne and doing cayenne salt rim. And it's just like, oh my God, you know, even for people who don't like mezcal, that's a great one. Um, lunar alchemy is color changing, but it does use butterfly pea flower. So that's something that I suggest people get. Um, and then, so as far as what I would probably drink right now, because it is, I'm, I'm in Arizona. So like, as of now, previously California, there's like no seasons here other than like monsoon season. So it's just fucking like hot and like not hot. You know, those are the two temperatures. <laughs> um, and so, you know, I'm feeling the urge towards spring, you know, even though that's like a month away or so. And so the Sagittarius moon fizz would probably be what I'd go with because it's, it's a riff off of a gin fizz. And so you have the element of the egg whites rising above, but there's also cherry and cucumber in there. And it's just so fucking refreshing or the new moons, uh, new moon beginning sake recipe, which is sake cocktail, but also champagne on top. And it's just, those are both like two all springtime refreshing recipes that I'd probably want to sip on right now. I have a, a sake tasting next week, so I'm going to have to try that. Um, oh, that's awesome. Pretty soon. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm in a whiskey club, but it is expanded Ooh. far beyond that. And we've started <laughs> experimenting into other stuff because you buy so many bottles of whiskey. We try so many whiskeys. All right, what else is out there? So one of the people that runs it really wanted to do sake, so we're doing sake. Oh, that's five, nice. Uh, five bottle flight of sake, so that's going to be Wow. That's fun. Uh, yep. So I'll be uh, taking one of those and making a sake cocktail for sure. Which one is <laughs> it? What was the name of that one? Uh, the sake. I Sorry, one second. I have to new moon beginning sake. Yeah. All right. It's on the list. I just had yeah. five cocktails, four cocktails to my list here. <laughs> I know. I like trying to go up. over like the moon mold wine is another one because it's a white, a white mold wine versus the typical red. Anyway, sorry, I could talk about any cocktail forever. Oh, the summer moon margarita, which uses watermelon and blackberry liqueur, um, an elderflower. Anyway, so <laughs> the good thing is that you can talk about cocktails forever on here because that's what we're here to talk about. So that's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, it is endless, but yeah. <laughs> But it is fun. The new book, I know you, you said you have your gripe with the, the fact that you've gotten some stains in your copy, but I think the cover yeah. looks really nice. So <laughs> still new for me. It's fancy. It's a beautiful, beautiful hardcover texture, nice little gold on it. It is a cool book and it's definitely going to be a cool one. I'm going to put it on my bar card off to contrast with the original with the black and gold. It'll be night and night day book. I do love that the first one was black and gold and this one's white and gold. I do have to say though, like I have had a bitch of a time trying to take a photo of this book because like, if you, it's just, you see how the, the gold, which yep. is nice to like look at, but when you're trying to take a photo, the gold's reflecting it anyway. So I'm always having like, how do I take an Instagram worthy photo? That's not, you can't read the text, you know, but. I tried my best to take a photo of this cocktail in the book and I just couldn't do anything. I was looking at your pictures in here, all these professional <laughs> cocktail pictures, like Jeez, nope, I just can't do it justice. But I'm gonna yeah, try. Yeah, they, they hire anyway. They hire a photographer and they do a really good job. So one of them that I saw. I forgot the name of one of them, but it had the uh, full big ball of ice in it that looked like the moon sticking out of the glass. Was it um, a stemmed? It was the a stemmed. the lunar purification. Yep, that's it. 
Yeah, that's a nice refreshing. video, but there you go, Bianca. So you can see in case you're that's awesome. That was cool looking, but I got to get a nice big ice for that. <laughs> so you've mentioned a couple of really different ingredients. Uh, yes. Was it the pea berry? And then Nick mentioned it, that he was out searching for ingredients as well. One of the things that I'm curious about, and Nick and I have kind of collected a whole bunch of different things in our just experiences tasting and making cocktails from different books. And obviously that expands our palate and our bar carts and kind of gives us exposure to new flavors that we can then introduce new people to. But for you, you know, you're doing that all the time. That's you're very familiar with introducing people to new flavors and kind of trying new flavors yourself and really incorporating them. How are you finding these new flavors and how do you decide what is cocktail worthy? That's an interesting question. So I think part of it is being in the bar industry. So most of, I mean, I have to say also like coming from the Bay area, like there's a tons, tons of shit out there, you know, like it's just a bunch of farms and we've got all kinds of fresh ingredients in the Bay and farmers markets and a bunch of like craft liqueurs. And so people would always be stopping in bars, trying to like, you know, sell their liqueur. Oh, here's a taste of something. Um, so that's kind of part of it is just being behind the bar. You get exposed to a lot more stuff because sales reps are trying to sell <laughs> Sell you things. Um, so that's part of it. And the other part of it is I just a lot of research, you know, because everything I do is um, aligned by like story or myth or meaning in some way. And so I do a lot of research to like look at how to express that meaning through different flavors. And, you know, I just come across a bunch of stuff. So. <laughs> And one thing about uh, different ingredients too, I did notice a lot of the recipes in this book have uh, concoctions and ingredients that you actually referenced earlier in the book. So you can make your own uh, mixtures and stuff like that, which I did think is cool. Yes. Uh, yep. Like I have to say on that subject. Okay. I was so proud of myself for this one and maybe it's not that good. I have to make it again soon. <laughs> is the violet liqueur recipe. I fucking love violet liqueur. It's the shit. Like you can just do put in anything and it's delicious. And so I actually came up with this violet liqueur recipe that people can make at home in the book. And it was a little complicated just because when people do violet liqueur recipes, a lot of the times, like of the few examples I found online, they're using fresh violets and like, who the fuck is going to have that? <laughs> I mean, I was a select group of people, but that's like at one time, like it's a very seasonal thing and what you're going to have like a field to pick all of the violets you need for this liqueur. So I had to find a way to work with dried violets. Um, and because when they're dried, they have much more of an herbal flavor compared to the floral flavor that you're going to want. And so I was able to pair it with gin. Um, I think I put, no, that was the syrup that I put vanilla in, but there is a little bit of butterfly pea flour to give it the color. Um, and it is just delicious liqueur. Like I fucking love it. Like, yes, I've come close to something somewhat resembling what you can buy in stores. So, um, I am a big fan of that recipe. I had my experience with that too. This past summer, we had a, a mead company on and I used some of their raspberry draft mead and I made a raspberry mint mojito with fresh mint. And it was awesome. And then I was out of the fresh mint I grew in like one drink and then no more fresh mint for me. 
but it's the same thing. It's like you have it once and oh, well, that was okay while it was lasted. I tried that. You know, we had the air, I have one of those arrow gardens and I was growing parsley. I was Ooh. growing mint. I was growing all this stuff, but you just you get so little of it. You use it once. It's like, well, there's the whole plant in one dish. But <laughs> I yeah, know. I know what you mean. Yeah, for sure. I wouldn't know the first thing about finding fresh violet, but I know uh, I have grown in my arrow garden. Nick and I are like, we're, you know, wannabe farmers over here. It's fine. We had our little, <laughs> our little home farms. Um, but I was growing lavender and I feel like that's, it's still growing out there. It's a little slow growing, but it's, I feel like that'll be a fun one for cocktails. I haven't oh, yeah. used it in the cocktail quite yet, but. Do you know what type of lavender? Like is it French lavender or just kind of the ones that we usually see out and about? I'm not sure. That's a good question. I'll have to okay. look at the Just because from the first book, like how I, one of the recipes I did in there, the Venus spritzer, cause I worked for hanger one vodka. So I got an early bottle of their rosé vodka, which some other companies have done a rosé vodka now, but like, I just went outside. I had French lavender, you know, cucumber, like just fresh garden stuff. We had a bees, you know, back in California. So I had a little bit of honey and was able to mix that with the rosé vodka. And it's just like springtime in a glass. That sounds so good. I've been go. craving springtime, everything. Really. <laughs> I just like switched everything out today to the springy colors. I'm just so tired of looking at snow. We so. had a taste of it last <laughs> week. We had that, we had 57, 58 degrees, and then it was right back. Oh. I woke up this morning, oh. it was eight degrees again. Like, uh, eight degrees. Yeah. I can't take it. You wake up, it's just so cold. You don't want to do anything. <laughs> don't even want to get out of bed. Tomorrow it'll be warmer again, and then next week it'll probably be freezing again. We're not going to be out of this cycle until April. So oh, another I'm sorry. Months. That's New England. It's fun. Oh. It's cold. <laughs> At least I snowboard. That makes up for it a little bit. Oh, it gives you something definitely. To do winter, but um, <laughs> yeah, definitely a warm drink season for me. A lot of whiskey. Whiskey's my, <laughs> yeah. That's, um, it'll keep you going. Uh, that's one thing that I wanted to ask you about too. So I noticed in some of these uh, couple recipes I saw, you include scotch in there. And yes. then Irish whiskey and stuff. Now for a whiskey nerd like me, I see that I'm like, oh, well, what type of scotch? Because obviously there's such a broad spectrum of whether it's super smoky or not super smoky. Yes. So what would you suggest um, when it comes to getting to certain specific alcohols in here and mixing around with them and playing them around to uh, really change the cocktail based on the type of liqueur that or liquor that you pick? Yeah. So part of it is too, is like, I always have to remind myself sometimes because I recently did an event actually at a bar and there's like the whole thing of like, when you're writing a book, you try and make things appeal to, I mean, depending on what you're doing, but given my subject nature, things that are going to appeal to people on a wide variety of scales, but also be beginner friendly. And so I didn't specify in certain areas in the scotches. So for a lot of recipes that I use scotch also, because like, to be quite frank, I have a budget when I'm making a book and I have to try a lot of recipes. Mm. So I I cannot spend a lot of money on a nice bottle of scotch, you know, just to have like half of it go down the drain or not taste good. So I was working with um, blended scotch for a lot of the recipes, except obviously you get to the painkiller variation and that you're going to want to have, you know, the classic single malt as a nice little float in there in addition to the blended scotch. What were you yeah. using as a, a blended scotch? Is that a curiosity? I, might, I might have to go get it for my, my cabinet. I don't know if you can wait a second. It's... <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it's no big deal. I was, okay. just I'm just gonna, I was just thinking I could try to replicate whatever uh, you were doing a little bit, get an idea. Or, yeah. Was it Johnny Walker? 
or no? Oh, fuck no. Sorry. No, <laughs> no you're <laughs> okay. No. Well, I was just, all right. So nothing against Johnny Walker, but super smoky. No, I I stick away from a lot of popular brand names to be quite frank, but that's just because, you know, they just throw shit into their um, creations a lot of time. As someone who's worked at a distillery and nothing about that distillery in particular, but I know a lot of times that a lot of different companies just mix things together or add certain additives and they're not required to put on their label what they've put in there so i stick away from a lot of brand names for that reason yeah i'm uh i'm very picky when it comes to my whiskey so yeah <laughs> that's all i'm with you there i hear you but there's obviously yeah. a lot in california so what about in arizona are we seeing a lot of craft cocktail to our craft spirit i should say are there a lot of craft spirits that you can use out there is it a lot different from moving like going from California to Arizona and like seeing that landscape it definitely is and it depends on where in Arizona you are because I've got to tell you like there's like so I when I first moved here and I moved here back in June so I've been here for some months but not even an entire year yet and I originally moved to like you know Phoenix Mesa Tempe area and I could find sometimes the things that I was looking for, but not always. And now I'm over in Maricopa. And I got to tell you, I cannot find a store for my fucking life that has fresh basil. So I had to like get a basil plant, you know? Um, and so it just kind of depends because it is drier out here. And so, but you know, things are so modern that they ship things a lot of places. There are different craft distilleries out here, but it's definitely not as full as it is over in the bay area i just don't think you can really compete with that because you've got like even the whole spirits alley in the bay area and all these places like it's just distillery after distillery so there's definitely stuff out here but not as much as in the bay i was definitely spoiled when i was up in maine too in the portland area the same thing where there's all like it's a huge kind of craft beer craft drink and delicious restaurant area and then we moved back here to mass and i'm in an area that's like i gotta drive 20 minutes to get to the chain restaurants and that's yes <laughs> that, that's it that's all you we still got. have a good amount in the state <laughs> i mean like yeah you're not downtown i feel like there's a lot downtown even like where we are in the north shore there's a good amount of breweries but <clears throat> it's not downtown boston obviously you're getting a lot more and like this the burbs around there but um i feel like we're pretty spoiled in massachusetts you got a good amount you got, you you're, you're a lot closer to in a driving distance to good stuff though yeah we have a lot of breweries like within very short drive so. yeah i do have to say there are like some top-notch craft cocktail bars in arizona and there are breweries out here too but it's just not the same you know it's like to say there's a lot and it's like well i came from the bay where even like you know got the devil's acre in san francisco where you can just literally go from high excellent craft cocktail bar from one to another it's just different yeah mm-hmm. so what are some of your f- favorite I shouldn't say favorite what are some of the things right now so obviously you wrote the book at a different time of the year <laughs> what are some of the flavors that you're playing with right now that are kind of your favorite this time of year so we're in yes kind of a weird I feel like it's a weird time of year it's like between winter and spring and a lot of yeah. people are you know I'm I want spring but like you're still kind of in limbo between the two months yeah I will have to say as a reminder I am in Arizona so it's just beyond <laughs> I mean there's like monsoon season which is really cool because there's like sudden like flash storms but like realistically 
the, the temperature is just, like I said, hot and not hot. Um, so you don't see that much difference, at least so far, you know, I haven't noticed tons of difference in produce and whatnot, but what I'm personally working with, like I'm working on a rose liqueur, for example, because especially around this time back in the Bay area, I had like a little rose garden and they would be blooming right about now. And so I wanted to do some rose flavors. I'm definitely also getting in, in the spirit of using dried hibiscus, which can be a little complicated to work with when it's not mixed with other ingredients because hibiscus can just has this taste to it. Um, so you generally mix it with other things. So I'm playing around with that a bit as well, just to have like those kind of floral tropical since I'm out here in the hot desert. flavors. <laughs> How do you go about making a liqueur out of something like that? Oh. Yeah. And that's also the reason why I put the liqueur recipes in here. A lot of times everything I do is just to serve as an example for people of what they can do on their own. So I don't mean for like people to follow anything I do like a Bible, you know, it's just like, here's kind of show the maximum or the minimum of what you can do and switch things out as you like. And so that's part of the reason why I wanted to do liqueur recipes um, in here is because really it's, there's a lot of different techniques to do it. And I did a lot of research to see all the different ways people vouch for and it can depend on the ingredient you're working with I think but usually it's either like you make an infusion and then you add sugar or add a syrup um, or you can create a syrup in, and add it to alcohols to the ways that I have done it um, and it's kind of fun because the adding so beyond the infusion part you can add unique flavors through the syrup part um so like one way I did it, I think with the blackberry liqueur recipe is like I was cooking with wine and the berries. And then I added the alcohol and let it all sit for a few days. Um, whereas with the violet liqueur recipe, maybe I'm wrong though. It's been a minute since I've made this. But other recipes, sometimes I'll start with the infusion and then I'll create a syrup. So like the rose liqueur, you know, I might create like a lemon syrup to add. And then I get the bonus flavors of that lemon simple syrup that I'm adding to the rose infusion that I've made. So there's a lot of different ways to do it and people will vouch for different things, but you know, it's just really about the ingredient and how it's going to express itself best in that situation. When you're doing the infusion specifically to make a liqueur, do you tend to use, a, you know, more of a neutral base liquor, like a vodka, or do you mix around with tequila, rum, whiskey, depending on what you're doing? Ooh, yeah. So people tend to stick with vodka um, and gin. I, you know what? To be like, I love all alcohol, but I have to be honest, I really love gin. I think it's so versatile and it's just the way that it blends, especially with herbal ingredients is pretty great. Um, so those would be the two main ones that I work with. But there's no reason why you couldn't do tequila, you know, or something like that. Um, I would be curious about using more flavorful things like a dark well dark rum would probably be a great addition with berries but i do wonder about like scotches or certain whiskeys how you would add those into a liqueur probably be on something that's more flavorful so it's balanced and doesn't overwhelm mm -hmm. it's funny because that's something nick and i were talking about actually earlier today we were <clears throat> talking about the gin and kind of how it's it's so different than a lot of other spirits it just has such a nice like I love gin and I, I, we probably talked about that when we spoke before, but <laughs> I just like love the flavors and I think it's, it's so different. I, I think the reason I do like it is because it often does have those floral kind of herbal notes. Yeah. To it. Whereas you don't always get that with other spirits. I don't, you know, I've never really preferred like a vodka and I just think it's, 
I just think the flavors are just so much more complex than a lot of like really nice gins and you can do so much with them with cocktails and I've just have so much fun with it. But um, Nick and I were talking about that actually earlier today. And I think a lot of people are still not like super comfortable using gin. And I, I feel like that's something that I hope changes. I am yeah. like the only person I know that drinks it. So yeah, <laughs> I've crazy. been drinking it more and that's on, you know, the fact that it's so like there's such a spectrum of gins like the there was yeah. one that i had the other day what i like about it is there really isn't a lot of rules i like when there's not a ton of rules like that's something <laughs> you're not gonna be talking about today with like bourbon it's like i'm kind of over bourbon just because they're all sort of the same there's even like the really nice ones and the real cheap ones like there isn't too much room scotch there's a huge spectrum tequila depending on what you're doing there can be a huge spectrum but gin, it's like, I've had some gins that taste like they're a completely different category. It's like pizza and candy, you know, they're so, <laughs> they're so far apart. Um, we had a company on called Farallon Gin. You might, they're out in California, so I'm not sure mm. if you've seen them around there. Uh, but they had three of them that we tried. One was uh, more of a classic one. One was a New World gin, and then one was called the Holy Wooden Cask, and it was, uh, I think it was Madeira, like Spanish casks or something like yeah. that that it was done in, and it's crazy uh, how different it can be than anything else. I drank that one, actually. I was drinking that one the other night, revisited <laughs> for the first time in a while, so it's fresh in my brain, but it's uh, amazing. And then we had one with a local company out here, actually, in Salem, Mass, Deacon Giles, and one of them, I drank it and it was like drinking like butterscotch and caramel. Like it tasted nothing like what I would expect a gin. Yeah. Like it completely shocked me because there really wasn't a lot of herbalness to it. So it's just crazy how wide of a variety you can get, you know, yeah. straying from what most people think of is probably drinking like Seagram's or whatever. Yeah. Um, let's be real. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Seagram's gin. I mean, you got to get what you can afford, but it's definitely not the, um, the epitome of what a gin can be and that's why I kind of like it is because it's like you're saying like it's about finding the gin that works for you because there's such a variety and then beyond that it also depends on what drink you're mixing it in you know what flavors you're combining it with because then it's just going to totally transform your whole experience of that so I I do wish people weren't so afraid of gin because it's just it's the shit you know you mix it correctly and it's a delicious drink that can't quite compare to what the other alcohols can offer in that same way. One of my uh, favorite cocktails to make right now is actually the Vesper Martini from James Bond uh, Casino Royale with the it's gin, vermouth and lemon. And Mm. it's very, very good. And that's uh, one of my favorite ones to whip up. And you feel a little fancy when you're drinking out of martini (laughs) glass, James Bond cocktail. It's a lot of fun. You know, pretend you're something else, but... (laughs) <laughs> I have fun with that one. I talk about that one a lot. I love that. That's a classic. Not a lot of people know about that drink. So props to you. <laughs> <laughs> Movie buff. I mean, you, Nick knows it all, I guess. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I love it. So where do you pull a lot of your, obviously, in your book, we kind of, you, you walk through all that and, and a lot of the inspirations there. But when you're making a new drink, where do you start with, are you starting with like, this is the kind of drink that I want to make and then find the inspiration that kind of goes along with that? Or are you looking at 
something that's inspiring you and then that's kind of like sparking you to say okay how would this move into a cocktail yeah it's kind of both it's a conversation you know so obviously when I'm writing a book with a very specific intention like this it does start with a lot of research just to see I'll look up the different okay I know I need a cocktail for the moon and Libra so I'm going to look in a bunch of associations for the Libra for the moon whatever energies I'm trying to capture for that drink and I'll put together all of these different ingredients um, possibilities and kind of get some flavors to mind but there are a lot of times like when I'm not writing a book per se that there's this really cool ingredient like there's prickly pear out here you know what does prickly pear represent and playing with that um, flavor as well so it is kind of depends if it's a book or something definitely like it starts with more of a lot of research but when it comes to my blog or just stuff I'm doing in my free time a lot of it is kind of playing with the ingredients that are there like that maple syrup old-fashioned oh my god I love that one so much it was like you know maple syrup's not something people think about when you put it in into a cocktail but like if you get the right type of maple syrup and or even really any maple syrup and it's it can really make a drink so it's a lot of fun to like oh I really like this flavor and I'm curious about it and seeing that it pairs the heaviness obviously is going to pair with a rum or whiskey so things like that yeah it's just a, a back and forth conversation a lot of times I have a fun question for you I was just looking again at this picture of the uh the glass with the moon ice in it I have it open yes here. and I was wondering if you had to guess how many variety in a number how many varieties of glasses do you have for, for taking these pictures and making different cocktails at your disposal? Oh, well, I have to say, uh, so again, the, the photos in the book I did not take. So that is purely the photographer. I've had people message me before and be like, oh, where'd you get this cup from? And I'm like, I have no, but I have a shit ton of glasses because I do it for my blog. And it's just purely like a lot of it for me is going to Goodwill. Um, and I have antique glassware as well. So I imagine that the photographers, I mean, they must have like, my partner probably will complain at some point as the connection and collection continues to grow. So I imagine the photographer team has like at least a pantry full of glassware. Yeah. It is amazing when I see it. So put it in a, put it in this glass, put it in this glass. Who has that glass lying around? <laughs> I just, like I said, we just moved. So I went downstairs and I just had to find just a basic like yeah. eyeball glass. I had to go digging through boxes to find it. And luckily I had <laughs> one, but uh, <laughs> that, and I don't know, I feel like I have a lot, but then I look through these. I'm like, I don't even know what that glass is called. Yeah. Some of these ones like, um, yeah, they have some really nice stuff. Even like the syrup glasses that they have. I'm like, shit, I need something like that. You know, these decanters and whatnot. But they might be vases. They kind of do look like vases now that I look at it. So maybe they just get creative with yeah. um, for that. I definitely have my Glen Cairns. Those are my number one used glass, my little whiskey glasses. Use those I know. all the time. But that's I it. just when got off cocktails. Yeah, I just got off work, but you keep talking about your whiskeys and stuff. And I'm like, well, once we get off, I might actually have to pour myself a little bit of something. So what? All right. Now that we're talking whiskey, what is your go to whiskey? If you had to choose. I'll let you pick a bourbon, a scotch and a rye. Oh, well, OK. So, I mean, 
here's the thing is I'm a little bit opinionated about rice and hopefully I will grow into that flavor a little more. Um, so there's just certain types of rice that I can only really using cocktails and stuff, but I will have to say Suntory whiskey, obviously like, you know, I have a bottle of that, that we were drinking the other night that is delicious, but I'm also craving, um, this is a little bougie of me, but from working at hangar one, I have their fog point vodka still. So, um, basically, you know, how with the alcohol creation process beyond all the creativity that goes into deciding what makes the alcohol and the distillation, what the still is made out of and all of that, there's the water portion that they add. And so a lot of companies will talk about what different water source they use. And Fog Point Vodka uses um, uh, condensed fog water. They put nets around the Bay Area and have this whole process for it. And so it's like, it's a little bougie of a bottle. It's no, at least this one's no longer available, but I'm craving that a little, <laughs> yeah. a little and bit. That's a, and that's a vodka? Yeah, it's a vodka. So it's not a whiskey, but that's what's on my mind. So, so. <laughs> no, that's fine. I was just curious because that's one thing that I have not done a lot of experiments with, with different vodkas and craft vodkas and stuff, because there, I just haven't found there to be a lot of differences. Like vodka to me has sort of been vodka, but I understand, you know, if you're using different water and using different ways to make it, it's going to taste different. Yeah. Different base grains, but uh, what would you, there's obviously that when you said that's hard to find. I know here we're probably not going to get it, but one that's generally available to people, maybe. Oh, well, so I will say just for a background on vodka, people have a lot of misconceptions about it. And like, let's be honest, like a lot of the vodka on shelves that people buy, you've got Kettle One, Grey Goose, which I'm not really a fan of, I'll be real. Mm. <laughs> um, you know, you've just got like, you know, Sky Vodka, Absolute, and like to a certain point, those vodkas are made to be mass produced, you know, so it can be harder when you're like getting vodka for a typical party to see the nuances and differences. But if you do a vodka tasting and you line up a bunch of different brands of vodka, you can definitely taste the difference. And that might just be the Polish in me speaking. Um, there's like this whole trick for sipping vodka, like pretending you're doing yoga. So like you breathe in, hold your breath, sip, swallow, and then you exhale out through your mouth and it helps remove the burn of the vodka that you can actually experience more of the flavor. And so like St. George is a great craft distillery that a lot of different, um, uh, the stores around the States, at least I found them in a lot of different places tend to have St. George at this point. They also make like a great absinthe and stuff and great gin. Um, but they have a wonderful vodka hanger. One is a great one to try. I'm not sure what's in stores. Um, you know, the classic, but you can just go to like Bevmo or total wine and grab a bunch of those different sample ones and try some of the different flavors or get a smaller bottle but I tend to stick with more craft stuff than mass produced because you know they're trying to appeal to a crowd to a certain extent yeah and that's something that yeah I just have to go and try a bunch of them because that's I've dug into tequila I've dug into whiskey because that's kind of I don't know that's where my head goes that's where my palate <gasps> likes but oh so, so you asked me what's widely available this one I I don't know when they sent me, um, I feel so bad for forgetting this. This is a great fucking vodka. It's called Ving vodka. And, um, 
They're located in LA. I'm not sure where exactly they're available. I haven't seen them in a lot of stores, but you can order it online a lot of times through like Drizzly or something. And they are a great fucking vodka. And they have one of the most unique ones that I have tasted, which is their kale, cucumber, and lemon peel infused. And so I have to say, like, obviously, if you're someone who doesn't like herbal flavors, I probably, you know, wouldn't, if you don't like kale, you might not like a kale infused vodka. But <laughs> um, I love that vodka because you can just add a little bit of soda water, tonic water. I've made cocktails that taste like a fucking spring garden. You know, I put a little bit of rose liqueur in there and lemon and fresh cucumber. And it's just like super delicious. Um, but they also have, you know, their normal vodka, which is extremely clean. They're really transparent about their ingredients. So that's another one, but I think you'd have to order that online. I'm not sure if you can find that in a lot of stores in person around the States. I never would have guessed in a million years, if you asked me to name what would be infused with a vodka, would have named kale, but Delicious uh, though. I'll have to try it. Yeah, no, that's, uh, that gives me a reason <laughs> to try that one just because well, it's so different. And I'm sure Bianca, you would love it because I mean, like gin's very herbal and obviously this isn't a gin, but if you like herbal flavors like gin, this, this would be the vodka to taste. Yeah. I mean, I I think a lot of spirits are, I shouldn't say a lot of spirits, but there are a lot more spirits that are kind of focusing on like the herbal botanical flavors, um, including 21 seeds, which are, we've kind of turned our dad on to, it's his favorite thing ever. That's a tequila, and they make some oh. like, beautiful flavors. Um, I, I think that it's just like people want to be able to really experience what they're drinking. They want to be able to drink it straight. They want to be able to have it on the rocks. They also want to be able to create cool flavor combinations with it. So I'm always open to trying new things, especially when they have that cool, like different flavor profile as opposed to just like your typical run of the mill vodka or tequila. Yeah. Gin. And the, everything the 21 seeds you know, that Bianca it. is referring to is cucumber jalapeno. Yes. Oh, a, what? I haven't even heard of this. Oh, my God. No, it's, it's gotten super popular, at least around here. But aren't they out of California too, Bianca? But they're definitely nationwide by now. Um, they're growing like crazy. But they were actually a podcast guest too. That's how we first wow. found out about them. They have, I have one downstairs. It's a orange-infused tequila. Yep. Uh, but oh. they have some cool ones, yeah. They also orange have, infused. They have a uh I'm trying to remember what the second flavor is. Grapefruit hibiscus. Oh, that's gonna be the oh, that's really gonna be really nice. good. Oh my god. Yeah. I can't I'm writing this down. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're really good. They're it's different, but you know, that's kind of why it's what Nick and I look for, right? We look for spirits that are different because yeah. so many that you know they they do unique things and they have you you see a lot now infused with like wines or with beers and like there's they're doing cool things with other types of spirits but when you can really pull in these really natural flavors and actually yeah. get them to stand out in the product it's just you don't see it a lot so yeah it creates an experience you know I love it oh god now I'm thinking about that grapefruit hibiscus tequila that must be like a floral paloma you know kind of vibe I get into trouble whenever I go to a liquor store because I am the type of person that wants to try something new if I see something interesting and I never finish a bottle (laughs) I have so many bottles that I have like 
barely had any of them. Like I have them a couple times. Like wow, that's awesome. Then I'll find something new. And I think a, a great example of that, something that you can have that's different that you see a flavor on, is that a lot of people do this. They'll take a whiskey and they'll finish it in a beer cask or whatever. But Lagavulin, I don't know if you ever had any Lagavulin scotch. You're familiar with that, but they make very very good scotch. And they had one that they partnered up with Nick Offerman, Ron Swanson from uh, of course. Parks and Rec. <laughs> He's a big Lagavulin fan, I guess. But they partnered up with him and they did a Guinness cask one, which to wow. me, like you see, and there's a lot of them, they're kind of gimmicks. Jameson does a lot of stuff like that. Um, but when I tried this one and it's a scotch and it's a delicious scotch, but it also has notes like chocolate and nuts. And it's like the <laughs> flavors in it are so different from any other scotches but I love seeing stuff like that. So whenever there's a weird flavor thrown in with something or a different type of finish it, I'm always jumping right on it. Yeah. I'm like, look at everything you're spewing out. You're such an aficionado. Like <laughs> well, with whiskey, it's like, I have so many bottles of whiskey down there that I've had a little bit of <laughs> just a little bit of, um, but it's, yeah, that's one of the things that I could go down a rabbit hole and talk about all night. Well, you need to get one of those big cubes. You said you guys don't have big cubes. I don't drink, uh, I don't put ice with my whiskey. Not even like a giant single cube? Oh my God. Room temperature. Add a couple drops of water maybe to open it up. I'm like, I'm like true whiskey nerd. That's, that's my, uh, that's my. (laughs) We do have whiskey cubes. Nick, Nick might not, but, um. I like to drink most things with at least one ice cube. (laughs) Yeah. No, we do have them. (laughs) They're not that big though. That's, that's a full, that is a big ice cube. I don't have molds that big. (laughs) Is it though? I don't know. It's like the size of the glass. I mean, I guess. It's either that or it's a really tiny glass. I like the medium size ones, you know, so it fits like one in there or two in there, but it's not like obviously that big. <laughs> yeah, it isn't. A Never huge really drink. noticed it's that only to like be four ounces. Yeah. that total. So, but I never really thought that the ice cube was that big until you guys <laughs> started talking about it. I'm like kind of curious <laughs> now. The other cocktail. Now that I'm looking at that, I saw sparkling wine on that particular one. The other cocktail I wanted to make tonight was the moonlit psychic. Uh, the absinthe with sparkling white wine. That oh, let me a- find it. Oh yeah, well this so so here's a part of the problem in the editing process. This is just a um so when I try and make stuff again, like I try and make things appealable. So this is actually a death in the afternoon. So this is Ernest Hemingway. Um, you know, so this was one of the Ernest Hemingway, ironically, as a writer, was very prolific in cocktails as a drinker in his age, um, in the years that he was around. So this is classic death in the afternoon, but I was saying in the book that it's particularly great for Scorpio season because it is, I mean, first of all, the name itself, but also the absinthe and champagne and all of that. So yeah, you should try some absinthe drinks if you're interested in that. I know you said that you're not that into it, but like, no, I've got, there's just some absinthe. Bianca was shocked today because I was talking about it. She's like, yeah, but who has absinthe? I have two bottles of absinthe downstairs, surprisingly enough. Um, I have absinthe ordinaire and I have grand absente are the two mm. that I have. Um, but yeah, no, that is uh, something that with cocktails, I've played around with a bit, uh, like a true Sazerac cocktail with absinthe. In oh, it, yeah. Back on whiskey. 
Uh, that was another thing we did with our whiskey club. We got the rye, peychauds, bitters, uh, absinthe, lemon. Oof, amazing. And it's then delicious. I went to a bar. We were at a bar and I tried to order one. And they were like, no. We don't they wouldn't it. make you a Sazerac? No. <laughs> I was bummed. Sorry. It's just like a classic yeah. craft cocktail. So That's I don't know what if it was I a- thought. It didn't seem like that crazy of a request. What kind of bar are you going to <laughs> I guess not a great way. It was in Boston too. It was like, I don't know. The bartender yeah. was probably just not. I that. digress. So that <laughs> so I asked for an old fashioned instead, and they gave me like this big watered down glass of ice. And mm. maybe they were just a new. It was yeah. It wasn't a great experience. <laughs> yeah, I was like to say, it doesn't sound good. <laughs> oh, but you know, I do. Uh, I do need to mess around with more with absinthe though. What else can you recommend for absinthe cocktails? Let me let me take a look here and think for a moment. You guys always put me on the spot with all these questions. I'm like, shit, I've been like stuck like working from home and I feel so <laughs> secluded from all these different things. It's been a while. Um, this, I'm not sure that I put anything in the book like this, but absinthe beyond, you know, the traditional nutty flavors, like absinthe or anything anise flavored with, or with those same flavors is going to be great again with like coffee. Um, but a lot of those nutty flavors are really good for that, but also can make a good mix before a little bit of like, um, a rye whiskey sour, not too much, but just a little hint of it. And so it just kind of depends on what rye you're working with. They both have that really kind of pronounced flavor that it can work well together. Or, or before the cosmic um, wisdom appletini. So the difference with the appletinis that I work with is I don't like just pure vodka and, you know, green um, apple schnapps is not really like my thing. So mixing it with um, a little bit of whiskey or a little bit of rum, and then you can start it with an anise rinse and it brings just this great aroma of those same kind of like fall harvest flavors. I think that's going to be the one. It's that really good, honestly. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're saying a- like the the rye sour. That's basically like the classic Sazerac cocktail, right there. Sazerac. I know, basically. Yeah, so, <laughs> but it's a whiskey sour instead, a little yep. bit, you know. But yeah, close. But yeah, delicious. I could definitely see that one working. So I got to play around more with that and see what I can do. Like I said, I got two bottles of it downstairs, just burning a hole in my liquor cabinet. I need to use it up. <laughs> Yeah. And absinthe has some really interesting preparations. Like one of the bars I worked at, we would have like this whole drip system for it, you know, and it's just, it's fascinating. All the traditions and lore around absinthe. I know one of the bottles I got came with the fancy absinthe spoon, special little leaf spoon with all the holes on it. Oh, yes. Yeah. Do you know? You still have that, I hope. Oh, of course. Yeah. Okay. You know, um, <laughs> yeah, I don't throw any out anything like that. That's right down in my uh on my bar with all my little okay, good. Uh do you know, could you tell us why they use that special spoon? Because you seem to have dug around with a lot of that type of lore and stuff. Yeah, it has been a minute. I'm gonna be honest. Like I went on this tour and they taught us all about absinthe. That was years ago. <laughs> so I don't remember all the specific deals 
um, details, but obviously like, you know, it's absent that it has all of this history and lore around people like thinking that it would cause hallucinations and shit when realistically that had to do with the purity of the absinthe. Um, and a lot of people would add toxins and, you know, different, just back then there wasn't as much regulation in how certain things were made. And so there were a lot of like different impurities that they would put into absinthe that would cause the hallucination because it is very hard to get the the theomine or whatever it's called, the chemical that would produce the hallucinations. Um, so th there's a lot of lore around that. And I believe, but let me just double check here. It has to do kind of with expressing the purity of the absinthe. Absinthe um, spoon. Yeah. It's pouring, I mean, obviously poured over the spoon. I don't know. I'm going to have to look a little more in depth into that. Maybe we can do another absinthe episode. We'll dive into a bunch of absinthe cocktails and talk about the lore behind it. That'll be fun. I feel like I'm leaving you guys short-handed here. I'm like, no, I should know okay. this. <laughs> I put you on the spot. Uh, yeah. And so it has to do like putting the sugar cube on the spoon and then pouring it through um, as a way to get like a light, sweet taste to it. Something like that. <laughs> all right. I'll do more research and get a better answer. I'm sorry. <laughs> Nick will have all the answers tomorrow. I guarantee. After okay. He's going to go and he's going to look it all up because that's what he does. Let me know, please. <laughs> I feel ashamed. I feel ashamed. So. <laughs> Well, um, awesome. So I think, we, wow, we're coming up on, we've been talking for a while. We've covered like every, every <laughs> spirit possible, I think at this point. Um, and I'm sure we will have you on again because yeah. you're one of our favorite people to talk to. Um, we cannot wait to try more cocktails out of this book. I can't wait to try some, any of the cocktails out of this book. Yeah. Uh, so I would, before we wrap, I'd love for you to just share for everyone listening where they can get the book uh oh, and yeah. your former book as well because hey why not get them both you're gonna get one just get them both and do it all at the same time uh, and like we said even if you don't make cocktails every day they are beautiful additions to your bookshelf or your bar cart i keep mine out all the time so yeah um so as far as where you can get these you can get them um i mean it's distributed through simon and schuster so pretty much anywhere obviously like support your local shops. I'm not sure, you know, a lot of small shops tend to keep in stock what people around them have asked for. So you might have to request it because this is a little bit eclectic of a niche. <laughs> so if it's not like a Barnes and Noble or like a big internet chain or something, you might have to ask and whatnot, but it's great to support local. And yeah, definitely kind of the theme with that is I think what I love about what I do beyond like the magical and stuff like that is it's kind of showing all the different ways you can make a creative cocktail and put meaning and story into what you're doing, whether or not you're into witchcraft. But yeah, if anyone wants to find me, um, witchcraftcocktails.com should have the links to wherever to get a book. <laughs> all right. Sounds good. Well, thank you so much for coming yeah, back thank on. You. We had a lot of fun. Your publisher's going to hate us because he waited till so long to plug the actual book. But uh, <laughs> I know we had a lot of fun talking about everything. <laughs> And we're definitely going to have you back on soon. And maybe we will do an absinthe episode. I think that'll be. Yeah. Be okay. Well, that. on that subject, because absinthe is called the green fairy for its, you know, hallucinogenic myth 
around it. Um, the summer solstice, a lot of times people work with fairies or like Beltane, which is, which probably means nothing to either of you, but <laughs> sorry. Well, that's, uh, what, that's what you're here for. So yes. And so you just give us a date and we'll line yeah. it up. And we'll do it. Let's do some absinthe cocktails. I fucking love it. And then I can be a professional at that point and know what I'm talking about. Awesome. <laughs> All right. We'll line it up. Well, thank you again for coming on. Yeah. Hope you have a great night. Cheers. Thank you. Cheers.